and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Duncan. Hey there! And Jeff. Yellow! It's the end of the spring anime season, 2022. Uh, it feels unreal to be doing an anime podcast in 2022, but everything feels unreal these days because I am dissociating from the pandemic and politics and everything else. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So yes, to continue that, continue that stream, uh, let's talk about how we feel about this season. We're going to cover all the shows we watched, which uh, if we talked about anything and it was currently airing, uh, that means we're going to talk about it here again. Um, I managed to get all the way caught up on the second season of Comey Can't Communicate. Uh, Jeff, I know that you did you watch all of it? I think so. I've watched everything up to the end of the uh, the school trip. I don't think there's another episode after that. Uh, so you didn't get any of the Valentine's Day stuff. Oh, shit. White okay, Day I'm, stuff. I'm like, all right, damn it. <laughs> no true fan, Jeff. <laughs> I don't think I can spoil this show for you or anybody no. who's been paying attention. But yes, Jeff, Jeff watched most of it. Duncan watched some of it. I watched all of it because that's why people come to this podcast is my value added obsessiveness. <laughs> I would uh, if I knew it was there. <laughs> I thought I was caught up, so I didn't check. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's 12 episodes and then... Heavy implications of a third season, of course. Yeah. Um, which, God, yeah, the world definitely needs more. Comey can't communicate. Sorry, I'm tipping my hand too much. <laughs> Jeff, based on the, uh, the what, the five-sixths of the show you watched, what did you think of Comey Can't Communicate uh, season it's, two? It's absolutely more Comey Can't Communicate. Um, I'm, I am a manga <laughs> Undeniably. reader. Undeniably. Yeah, I am a manga <laughs> reader, and so... All of this is just like fan service directly to me. And I think my impression of this <laughs> season is absolutely affected by the fact that I know where it's going. And, you know, they've done like a whole more like year and a half more of high school with these characters. And so like this season is more than anything else, establishing more recurring characters that start to like branch off and have their own little lives apart from just like wanting to talk to Comey and then Comey going and like failing to talk back to them. You're Um, making me feel Jeff, like my choice to not finish this series was wholly justified because I mean, (laughs) no comment, no comment. If you are, if you are not already committed to Comey for whatever reason, then yeah, like this season, like if you, if you feel the, like the urgent need when they've like gone into seasons like four and five to catch up, then yeah, absolutely watch season two. If you are not, oh then... god, binging season two to catch up would be awful, honestly. Because <laughs> I will say, I'm not surprised you fell off, Duncan. There's a big slump in the middle of the season where they are just introducing. They're just like doing the rack out of just introducing mm-hmm. new characters, and new characters, and new yep. characters. And man, like, um, what's his name? Kind. Katai or Kamai, the the big awkward bully guy. Yeah. Um, like his, I can get that he when he started talking to narcissist guy. This is how I'm going to describe every single character in Comey because they don't have personalities for me besides personality dysfunction guy or personality dysfunction girl as ways to call them. And but it, muscular guy. Yeah. In your defense, <laughs> like they are all literally named like muscular, awkward guy and narcissist guy. Like that is like all of them have pun names that have their like one gag. As right. It's Sanjay Sensei's joke, but but played straight yeah. uh, in a mainstream manga of having like Hitonami just means normal person. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, awkward, awkward like guy who everyone thinks he's a delinquent. A. 
I've seen that joke in at least 50 other anime. Um, the nice, the nice delinquent, nice delinquent looking guy. That's the basis of school rumble. Yeah. And pr- pretty much great teacher on and yeah. a million other things. Toradora, and like, yeah. So just wa- watching like him and Komi just miss each other like ships in the night was funny. And then there's like three more episodes of that. It really only begins to turn around when they go to Kyoto for a class trip mm-hmm. and everyone... And they, they make they present this as a crisis that everyone is broken off into these little groups, um, and so Komi can't be with Tadano, and therefore she's very worried about that. But what this means is we actually get the um, what I want to call the Monogatari effect, which is where we have <laughs> an ensemble built around a boring, frustrating uh, central character, and then that central character gets cordoned off, and the characters, the, all the weirdos, interact with each other and have much more satisfying interesting relationships because as you said jeff Komi's more of the setting of this mm-hmm. anime um her wild popularity the fact that everyone just assumes the best of her and the fact that she is too shy to communicate with anybody except through like short written phrases except when she needs to explain her backstory about why she doesn't like class trips because that's like <laughs> she talks for five minutes straight um in episode seven and i was like what the fuck uh <laughs> but they needed to move the plot forward i guess uh, and they didn't want to have her just riding it out and showing it to Tadano, which I can understand. But nevertheless, once they go to Kyoto, everyone separates off. Even the women who are with uh, Komi's group, um, Shogi Girl and Yo-Yo Girl, that's the best episode of of the season yeah. by far because mm-hmm. it's two like, bland-looking background girls. And then they have like weird, outrageous personalities, and we get to watch those play out. And Komi's actually the audience stand-in with these, and she's just like, hey— Let's all get along, or just like being shocked at, yeah. at someone in a Hania mask doing <laughs> doing such threatening yo-yo tricks that scares off a bunch of theater people, uh, which is great. That is that is Comey's potential right there, mm-hmm. and the show, I think, honestly abandons it way too much in favor of just this really rote doling out of all these odd characters. And the fact that we're going to get to a hundred friends means that I am promised a lot of <laughs> a lot of introductions. Which can't go quickly in manga, where you can just like read through them. You have to watch the whole four-minute segment um, where she meets like nice-haired, nice silver-haired girl. I don't even know what her personality is, um, but yeah, it's I. I ended up liking this season overall once it started to do interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Even the like who gives who chocolates um, is is moderately funny just because Tadano gets no chocolates because people just don't really think about him and then like half the episode's just like it's totally destroyed his psyche and he actually does something interesting as opposed to just being like the nice guy who can understand Komi he like reacts in a characterful way to, to only getting chocolates from the weird delinquent guy and his mom and <laughs> oh it's so good yeah um but yeah, it, I don't have a lot of momentum moving into the third season, but hopefully time will ripen my opinion of this and I will have the momentum to watch this. I need to build up my strength to watch Girlfriend, uh, Rent-A-Girlfriend, uh, which is coming soon, too. Uh, Oof. I might just forget that that one. <laughs> momentum for. Yeah, yeah. like I was saying before, like my, I, I'm high on this season of Komi because I know it's coming and it's a lot more like the Kyoto trip than it is the other stuff because the Thank other God, friend the other but... friendships develop more <laughs> they they introduce a new dynamic with uh 
uh, Tadano and Komi in like a third character who sort of like messes up their dynamic. And it's it's just like overall, it's a lot more fun. Like even with the uh, like the the ED, like I was like able to spot all the characters. It's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. that guy. And that's that guy. And I love all those people. But yeah, this season of just cramming them all into your awareness was pretty rough. Is there a like some proto I'm going to make X number of friends show? Because I feel like it's like we uh, that's a, a premise I've I've seen crop up more than more than a few times in the last last few years. I think I think make a hundred friends is one of those sort of like classic Seishun kind of themes that come up a lot and get used and reused in different places like there's the that book of friends show which is similar where Mm -hmm. it's you know you know the the friends are all ghosts which is like an interesting twist on it but Mm -hmm. i think it's just one of those things of like oh i'm gonna make a hundred friends is like a a sort of like wrote like what's the word i'm looking for uh a a trope a trope (laughs) that yes i I don't know there's a lot of other shows that are like based on it other than like pokemon but (laughs) i mean hoganize a hundred friends right but there's yeah, like yeah. a they talk about that, and the first time I actually encountered it is uh, in trying to think. Yeah, Bigata HK Yamada's first time, where this girl really wants to have sex, and so she her goal is to have sex with a hundred people before she graduates high school. Uh, it's not as funny as it sounds, uh, as is all as are all make make a hundred blank premises. But the first time I saw it was a subversion slash a lamp shading of the make a hundred friends goal. So I don't have no idea where it came from yeah. because what be got HK is came out. I mean, the manga came out in 2004 and the anime was 2010. So yeah. And it was around by then too. So I don't know. Um, it definitely is like a, a trope that does not need any explanation. There's no scene of Todd no going, Whoa, a hundred friends. I'd actually be pretty mean, honestly, but, but, but like, Hey, 20 friends, maybe, or 10 friends or one friend, make mm-hmm. one friend and then see where you can go from there. But of course, Comey and most of these shows have a very, a very loose understanding of what it means to be a friend, mm-hmm. um, very hands off. So it's fine as a premise. Uh, it's cute to occasionally see their weird signatures in her book of friends, which I guess kind of goes back to the Natsume prototype so mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't know yeah. i don't know where it came from yeah I, I like that one of her hundred friends is a cat that was like famously standoffish at the cat cafe yeah. just like just like like little goofs like that it's I, I like how hard on the sleeve it gets when it gets into you know the, the emotional state of some of the characters but then is also just completely willing to be a, like a goofball show most of the time i i find that charming <laughs> and, and 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 like yeah, reset stuff or I mean, I know that they're actually making progress. They've made progress even despite the the romance anime tropes of like misunderstandings and people denying their true feelings and oh my god, people denying their true feelings or not even <laughs> knowing they're in love with people. Yeah. Which like if you're if you're 16 or 17 and don't know you're in love with somebody who you spend all your time with and are obsessed with how they with how they think and look and act and talk to you, then like I don't know, but that's just the weird like sexless gynophobia of of, of anime that I can't really yeah. complain too much about. But yeah, like 
the combination of like having obvious forward momentum with their relationship as they're as they're like confessing more to each other and, and to other people and making more overt romantic gestures to each other combined with the yeah 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 and like no 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 I'm I'm not in love with her no that's mm-hmm. impossible love no how could that ever happen yeah it's not what you think. I don't know how I feel about it <laughs> <laughs> well and that's also precisely why they have to introduce a new character to fuck that up. <laughs> to, which is to, what, to intensify yeah. the contradictions even. yeah <laughs> yeah the, these huge casts do feel almost like something designed to drag a manga through its its um doldrums on onto the next arc because you can just introduce a new character here's a new yeah new it's, it, it's free on. it's free like free pages in your mangas you introduce them they're weird you explain how they're weird and then you have to introduce them to every possible weird combination with someone else and bam that's that's a volume and a half mm-hmm. right there <laughs> I, th- I think i prefer shows which have like a smaller a s- central pairing and a couple of others for for the romances i don't think massive casts really do it f- do it for me and we've had a couple of good romances this season or, or at least a couple uh, a, a good romance and some <laughs> yeah okay i'm genuinely ones. curious about what, you, what you're gonna so say should, so is this love is this love so should we start with the okay uh, ones oh, first? yeah no we can do okay ones oh, well, no well, hey 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 it's all it's all part of the same stew as far as i'm concerned yeah uh we can we can cover heroines really quick and then i can not talk for for half an hour <laughs> go for it so this is heroines run the show which um jeff and i both watched uh and you watched a bit of it didn't you too duncan or thought about mm-hmm. watching it at the very least no i watched a, th- a few episodes and spring 2022 has been yes, a busy time yes. as i think everyone is yes. aware so- um for everyone <laughs> we've all emerged from our, our burrows <laughs> and the world is wide and, and bright and we, we just go, ah. yeah groundhog is going back for six more weeks of anime winter anyway <laughs> Uh, so this is the Inori Minase-led uh, anime uh, based on a song. I thought this was based on a manga just because, yeah. But no, it's based on a series of Vocaloid music videos produced by <laughs> Honeyworks called uh, the Renai series. Kohaku Jiko uh, Inkai Renai series. Um, they're just like a series of like kind of like capsule plots. And I found out from reading the forums on Anime News Network that this is a pretty close uh, stringing together of a series of videos um, that feature all the major plot events of Heroines Run the Show. The basic plot, which I guess we didn't really cover in Comey, but Comey's shy and wants to make 100 friends and all the people at the school are weirdos. But uh, her, her dude Tadano, who's very normal, helps her. Um, even though he's in love with her. The end, Comey. Uh, Heroines <laughs> run the show. Um, awkward, loudmouth girl who uh, runs track and field gets a part secret part-time job. She gets to man- be a manager in training for two idols going to her school. And the secret part of it is very important. It basically drives the conflict that is the back half of the show. Um, but until that point, they kind of treat her like shit, but she slowly realizes what a wonderful thing it is to be an idol and how what the fans want is more important than anything, even one's own comfort or happiness or career. Um, and she finds out that one of the people who she's having to sacrifice for is her super crazy yandere friend, uh, <laughs> Chizuru, who turns out be, to be a tu- turbo fan of one of the guys, 
uh, to the point that she decides to ruin her friend's life out of a desire to punish her for being too forward with these guys. But then it's solved because uh, Hiyori is just like, hey, I was their manager. And her crazy Yandere friend's like, oh, that makes sense. And then everything ends happily. The end. (laughs) I don't know. I was happy this didn't turn out to be Boys Over Flowers, which I was complaining loudly about it being for the first three or four uh, episodes. I really hate the, like, these guys are assholes, but they're sweet inside, so you can't, like, get mad about them being assholes. But overall, I I liked a lot of stuff about it. Nothing ever really paid off in a way that I really liked. I liked Yori having an interest that wasn't just being around the guys. I liked that she was a committed track and field person. Uh, I liked that she had a very strong friend group and that even her growing relationship with the two guys she's managing. I thought that was good. I don't know. I What did you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it starts off with all the hallmarks of a lot of like shoujo romance where you have, you know, like all, all shonen romance is what if a girl liked you and it changed your life and all <laughs> shoujo romance is what if two guys hated you and you changed their lives. And it more or less <laughs> follows that premise but like you were saying like it does a lot of stuff you know having like it's almost as much about a show about being idols as it is about being in love and Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think i've seen a single show about being an idol that makes it look like anything other than a living hell um but the fact that you know it just kind of buys into the mythos of like it's very important that these idols appear uh appear available because it's everything about their popularity and it's literally physically dangerous to be seen in you know interacting with them in any way by the fans because they will literally hunt you down and ruin your life which all plays out and is played very straight and then yeah like you were saying for some reason the here the heroine the titular heroine believes that her own misery and discomfort is worth it in the long run and yeah like unless you really buy into that already or willing to overlook it, or you just want her to see interact with the cute boys, then I don't think there's a lot here for you, but I like, I like, I I thought, you know, more or less it was fine. Like I, I really like the fact that they've had Chizuru in the OP for the entire series, but you never really clock that it's her until you see her in her like maid cafe uniform, you know, her, yeah. her terrible yeah. job that she hates that she has just to buy merch for the, the, the like the kiss kiss group or no, to lip send lip. them flowers Yeah, to send them flowers. No. Yeah. Not lip lip kiss is what they call their, like one of their songs. Lip yeah. lip is, is what they are. And, uh, and, yeah, like, yeah, and she like, buys some flowers and, and presents for every single performance. So she's just like openly an absolutely deranged fan. Yeah. And, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 the fact that you know that's how the you know you, you find out about her the second they they show her face in the how she appears in the Vocaloid slash in the OP. Like I thought that was like pretty clever. I like it when the OP is secretly telling you what the whole show is about. Yeah, yeah. In general, same. I like I like a <laughs> vi- villain appearance in the OP where they haven't told you yet, and then you're like, oh, okay, so that guy's the villain. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit worse when the OP makes it so obvious, and you're like, okay, so that's the villain. I guess I have to wait until he shows up. But in this, yeah, you don't see it because that OP is unhinged. Yeah. It is just like an absolute just blender of just different symbols and fairy tale uh, illusions and 
musical performance sequences, both inside its weird fairy tale logic and at a fucking concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I overall like liked it because it was occasionally doing stuff that was very interesting. I like that there is no romance story yeah. um, at all. It feels like it's structured like a romance story. It feels like a romance story. The resolution is very romance story-ish. Um, but the romance is with a job and a lifestyle and a support of idol culture in general. Um, and I like that, even though I do think that that is why we have this this issue uh, that uh, the Anime News Network reviews, especially the last one, really goes into this. We have this issue of just fan culture is right. And like fans are a force of nature and we have to accept that they will kill you if you interact with their with their uh well at least they'll punch you really hard in the face so you have to be taken to a medical facility uh if you interfere with their idea of like perfect chastity and availability for idols um and then just like the whole fact that this i get that the plot is like being a secret manager so it doesn't cause a stir in the school but like this is a failure of management this is a failure of their talent agency because like if people see a random girl interacting with their idols they're not going to be less angry if they don't know that she's their manager in fact they're going to be more angry and so the fact that like it took that little to clear it up really just drives home how contrived that part of the premise was and how little it added it would have forced chizuru to explain her reasons more than just being the flushed face heavy breathing spiral eyed like Utsukushi, Suteki, uh, Mabashi, like absolutely insane, going to eat one of your toes, idol fans. If she knew that Hiori was the manager in training and didn't care, still thought it was inappropriate, as opposed to not knowing. And then when, 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 uh, when Hiori's like, yeah, I know that you've really supported them under your, under your, like, your, like, uh, pseudonym Chutan because I've seen all the mail that they sent you and they love your gifts and she's like how do you know that she's like oh I'm not supposed to say but I'm their manager and she's literally like okay well never mind we don't have a beef then uh, and just like what the fuck that's the, that's the solution uh, oh dear uh, um Ben like um obviously you, a couple of seasons back uh, you loved uh and I loved as well uh, Kageki Shoujo, mm-hmm. which has its own particular take on the ravages of show business. It sounds a little like the way you're talking about heroin, that because they have the manager as kind of like a vicarious mm-hmm. person to the actual idols themselves, it takes away any of the uh, emotional impact of these horrid behaviors like oh she's obsessed about the idols when the manager when it turns out the manager doesn't have a romantic connection to them oh suddenly it's fine she has no beef with you and so it whereas the idols you still that if if this was from on the idols uh, perspective you still have a mad stalker a fan who knows who's in your school and knows where you (laughs) live and like that's an entirely different uh resolution like do the male idols have like any um judgment on the the this revelation like do any of them like push back and say oh no you, this this fan you have done a bad no, thing you've crossed no, the line uh, it makes them sad that they're that their fans feel this way yeah um but it's a it's a perfectly inert sadness that will just go away with time if you buy more of their merchandise that's not as cynical as that but in general uh yushiro and aizo are very static characters in a way that i that i honestly Besides the stupid premise of Secret Manager, I find the most disappointing craft part of this anime. Because 
when we when we start out they hate each other they can't even talk they don't even have each other's numbers like they rely on their management staff to communicate messages between them because they just can't stand each other they both hate being idols for separate reasons like Izo is hates women i forget what yujiro's reason is he's got a rich family who disapproves of him kind of but then like approves of him the moment he's in the middle of a scandal whatever and when they go to an interview with this like this like special bigger group called full throttle Four or ft4 uh they get called out for like you're giving us fake answers this isn't what you actually believe and they like feel bad about that for a while and then that never comes up again and gradually like all of their all of the difficulties of this pair of idols that Hiori has to manage and has to take responsibility for these two extremely damaged rich powerful slightly sadistic guys just the perfect guy to be obsessed with in your romance anime uh, once we shift from managing their issues to just Hiori's issues being in this position of relative authority, of high labor, um, but at the same time secrecy and an inability to really do anything that these guys don't want her to do. And so there is just like this era of, aura of helplessness uh, suffusing idol culture that the fans are crazy and there's nothing to do about that. They may attack you or the people around you and that'll just make you sad because you want the best for your fans, but not going to do anything. So I think it's actually strongly removed from Kageki Shoujo or the stuff that we see covered in say like Starlight Review or other shows that are about like becoming a famous star and realizing your dream because it doesn't seem like it seems like the two main guys are already realizing their dream they're massively successful idols they end the show on this massive talent review by their by their heroes there's no becoming process they are they are part of the ecosystem and they can be saddened by it, but otherwise it doesn't really come up. It's definitely not like a stalker who's creepy. It doesn't cause any lasting psychological damage. It strengthens their bonds with their management, with many of their fans, with their family, with their friends, except for Hiori, who has to quit out of a sense of guilt and wronging the fans in some abstract way. So I think it's actually it actually abdicates its responsibility quite egregiously when it comes to ta- having anything to say about idol culture. And that's one place where I mm. really do agree with the anime news network reviewer um, who we've had a lot of issues with him, but he does, he's just like, it's weird in the last three episodes to really bring this to the fore and then not really to have anything to say, except like, gee, this happens sometimes and it sucks, which compared to the, the immense psychological damage that all the characters in Kageki Shoujo have uh, based on their different relationships with fame, it's it's they're not even in the same category i think in terms of of craft and message and what they're trying to achieve by talking about this message like the bulimia arc i think would be inconceivable people fans can only be crazy the damage to performers can only be conceptualized in very like static complacent ways which man sounds like i hate a lot more i gave it a seven out of ten uh it's way better than most romance anime um uh (laughs) which is not saying much as we'll see um but it was at least it was at least inventive um but it was also in the same season as another vastly more inventive uh show about idols um and granted kong ming never never uh dealt with crazy fans in the same way uh, it has much more to say about crazy managers and crazy self than crazy fans. <laughs> Compared to that, the innovation in in heroines run the show is largely procedural. Um, and I don't think it's anything. I think it's impressive that they stitched a bunch of music videos uh, together into a pretty plausible 12 episode romance anime that has no romance in it. 
but <laughs> insofar as like something I was glad I watched, not particularly. It gave me a lot. It gave me a lot of boys over flowers flashbacks. So that was bad. Uh, too. Well, that, that, well, that's two shows you two have talked about, which I'm 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 now feeling fairly happy about having dropped halfway through. <laughs> Jeff, um, I also dropped uh, a couple of cuckoos about halfway through. Should I feel bad about that? Um, <laughs> no. I mean, I I watched a lot of shit this uh this season, but I also sort of didn't because there's a lot of shows this season that were more or less the same thing where you know the faded pair you know are thrust together in some kind of weird situation and then there, a bunch of jokes happens around them and almost every single beat that you would expect happens the end and couple of cuckoos is one of those like there is there's definitely you know a genre of like one of those where if that's what you want if you want a dude in a love triangle with a bunch of girls who all like are secretly in love with him for various reasons and you get humor based on that then yeah absolutely check out couple of cuckoos like the basic premise is that the boy and a girl are swapped at birth and because they have similar names uh, are each raised by their respective families and then their parents find out and decide that for whatever reason it's like oh we should have our children get married and we should all be a big big family and like the boy is very like taciturn and serious and the girl is very sort of like the classic gal slash like bad girl archetype and the boy's like you know original birth mother was from a very wealthy family the uh the you know the, the girl's family was like you know reformed like delinquents basically who run like a you know the japanese equivalent of a greasy spoon i guess like an isekai <laughs> and you know you see like you know personalities are apparently genetic yeah, you know naturally the uh like Nagi, the the boy, like, you know, he's got a, a younger sister from his like, you know, accidentally adopted family who naturally has like a brother complex and so becomes one of the, you know, the, the comedic foils, though, you know, there's there's never really any serious discussion that any other couple is ever going to actually happen. But most of them are just there to like be complications and create jokes. And again, like if the things that I'm describing sound appealing, then yeah, you will probably find a lot to like. You know, there's lots of like etchy, like accidental pervert kind of stuff where he is naturally always, you know, totally innocent. It's one of those. And if if you want to watch it, I invite you to it. It's relatively well made. There probably will be more at some point. So <laughs> some, of, some of the early stuff when we get introduced to the the, the main boy's uh, a notional actual love interest, his his like academic mm. uh, competitor, like that kind of reminded me a bit of um, early Toradora, where you get you get this odd couple and they each have their particular love interests, and you know that th those love interests are never going to be ones they end up with because they are obviously going to end up with each other but they they try their their damnedest to sell them but um mm. i don't think there really was any attempt to sell the idea that the main girl actually had any suitors apart from him uh, did did anything happen yeah. with that or, or was is that a noticeable thing like the the the, the there's lots of of different women going after the bloke but oh strangely there's no one that are competing for these beautiful women's attention apart from him <laughs> Yeah, it, well, it is implied that there is another guy that she secretly wants, but it's also implied that it's him, and then she just doesn't want to admit it. 
it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's there's and yeah, like you were saying, the other purple haired academic competitor, you know, they have a fun dynamic and, you know, they get a couple of good episodes of them like in a different show being perfect for each other. But that's again, because you know what mm-hmm. kind of show it is, you know, it's never going to happen and you can never really get invested in their dynamic. And that is kind of a letdown. Well, you're watching a lot of kind of tropey exercises <laughs> in anime, right, Jeff? Are there I a couple am. you want to knock out really quick that have yeah. that have small X's on our Google Doc sheet? <laughs> uh, yeah. Another show that I was watching is A Hard Sun is Indecipherable. Uh, another sort of like, it's kind of a Comey-like where the main couple are <laughs> a normal guy who, you know, unassuming and unpopular and a girl who is very bad at communicating and this actually might be the show that you're looking for duncan because the whole thing is she sort of latches onto him like a like a lamprey because he is capable of like deciphering her and puts the work in to sort of like under you know understand where she's coming from and understanding her needs and helping her out in class and it's another one of those shows where you know the main couple are sort of paired off instantaneously and most of the comedy comes from them, you know, going on dates and being cute together. And, you know, the, you know, all their friends around them sort of rooting for them and, you know, being happy for them. And it's, it's a very light sort of like good vibe show. You know, a lot of the comedy comes from the main boy, uh, Rido, just sort of like going into like wild flights of fancy anytime he, encounters a new situation and you know so again lots of misunderstandings and hilarity ensues yeah it's by no means like essential viewing if that kind of thing sounds good you know another again one of those fans of the genre some quibbles etc etc i don't have if you're a new anime fan and you haven't watched 18 of these in the past (laughs) five years (laughs) then you might find something exciting can't emphasize enough how burnt out we are on anime tropes and yet sometimes we still get still get excited but not in this case it sounds like you you begged me not to talk about it so (laughs) (laughs) um actually i'm the one that i really am not super interested in talking about is jiki mori is not just a cutie but maybe she is yeah this (laughs) show is just 100 percent these are two nice people and they're cute together and they're fun and isn't it a fun show and i found it really boring but like you were saying like the the real world is far worse than bad anime and so i just found myself watching this anyways (laughs) uh the my the only thing that i could really say is redeeming is that the the extended cast is fun um they get like one and a half decent episodes that don't involve the main pair uh, you know, again the araragi effect yeah i would not recommend watching the show but they i i there was one episode that i really enjoyed and that sort of like carried me through and it was right at the end of the season so <laughs> the only thing i ever really found attractive about uh, shikimori was the character design where it basically seems like she's a bit of a, a knockoff utina which is, mm-hmm. If you're going to copy something, that's a good, good, good template to copy. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I should give the basic premise of the show, where, like you were saying, Shikimori is sort of the class star. She's the best at everything. Uh, she's super tough. She's super like strong, and her, you know. But she's also fallen in love with the sort of like you know gender swap dochiko of the class who is completely accident prone, like on a cosmic level, 
he, you know, weather changes to fuck his plans up. Things will appear before him to trip him and injure him. And it's just them being a cute couple because, you know, everybody thinks that she is this like amazing, cool, self collect, you know, totally collected person. But she, of course, falls to pieces every time, you know, he calls her cute or anything like that. Uh, they have like a mild kind of love triangle thing at the end, which is solved by Shikimori just being so graceful and amazing that she's just like, uh, you, you know, you, you should not feel bad about these feelings. You know, just because we're dating doesn't mean that you shouldn't be true to yourself and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, they become friends for life. Um, but yeah, like the show gets a lot better when Izumi and Shikimori, the two titular, you know, the two like main characters of the show fuck off and it's just like all of the other characters like getting into random pickup basketball games with like shark tooth tomboy gal squads and stuff like that like that's where the show gets a lot more entertaining but that's unfortunately about 36 minutes of 12 episodes of mm. anime and so if unless you're really hard up and or any of that other stuff that i said sounds appealing maybe just avoid this one <laughs> Yeah, it definitely seems like one of those shows which is better when you look at the preview and character sheets than actually watching the show. 100%. Yeah, it's something I've had to build up armor against because like, <laughs> if I see a great character design, I want to like see it in motion and see it interact with other character designs. Uh, I know that makes me sound like some sort of weird anime sociopath who can't can't see people as real people, but like, it's exciting to have good art and it's a bummer to have boring character designs. Um, but they aren't they aren't an indicator of the rest of the show. Unfortunately, yeah. you can have the best character designer, and you can still do the most the most rote shit. Yep. Uh, I need to start developing that because I have too much room in my heart for bad anime, and <laughs> I don't want to make for bad radio. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I feel that like there's some shows I love this season, but man, I even when it's, I'm only picking four shows, I still I still pick at least one stinker, and since I don't quit that. <laughs> That's a long three months. <sighs> well, uh, do you want to move to something a bit more uplifting now that we've had that spiral down? Sure. Jeff, what other what other tropey romances are you watching? Possibly <laughs> Duncan's also watching too. Oh no, it's only you watching Kaguya, right? Um, uh, I thought we were talking good romance shows. Oh, ooh. <laughs> and he's not here to contradict me. <laughs> yeah, we're going to benefit with that with uh, with Kong Ming too when we get to that later. Yeah, I, 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 okay, I could, I can give my two cents about Kaguya because I, I don't think I'm going to say anything that's inter- you know, terribly controversial. I kind of bounced off Kaguya when the first season came out a couple of years ago because I did not have the sort of like callous over the part of my brain that expected like progress in romance shows Mm -hmm. to happen. And so, you know, the whole premise of that show is that they're too proud and stupid and fucked up with their emotions to ever be honest with themselves. And so a lot of the humor just comes from them sort of like slowly, you know, slowly like working through those issues. And I you know, I, I came into it the, at the beginning of the season because I saw the third season was out and just kind of got into it. I was, you know, the world was bad enough and my heart was ready enough for Kaguya. And so, you know, like I, I just sort of like came, went through all three seasons and oh. came out the other end really enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> and like, yeah, like it's it's a good show. Like I will I will say that the production value of the show is phenomenal. They really like to sort of like dive into weird sort of one-off gags. Like 
at one point Kaguya is sort of cornered and she's worried and in her mind it, like the world sort of turns into Resident Evil and she's running around with tank controls and like bumping into walls in her mind because she's so flustered by the situation it's just like you know little like visual gags like that that's kind of good I kind of want to watch it more now don't, don't <laughs> say this Jeff T tell me bad things <laughs> um, and also like the again supporting cast is very strong the the episodes where they they all get to pair off and do their own little weird things like Chica is the the fan favorite but I think that's mm. pretty comes by is is you know she comes by it pretty honestly she's introduces like a fun dynamic where she is just the one who's completely self uh like self assured you know at one point they say that like oh you know this other guy that we're worried about like he's never really had success in his life so he's you know he doesn't have any self confidence you know I was a piano phenom and you know. Uh, and everybody loved me from a young age and everybody's like so this is why she's so annoying because like unreasonably self-assured because of this this is what created her <laughs> and yeah it's like it's you know it's a it, it's a lot of fun I, I i would recommend it to anybody who is even like mildly interested in comedy or romance or romance comedy I, it's just it's a fun it's a it's a it's a really fun show it's really well done it's beautifully anim animated lots of like entertaining uh like visual flourishes it's like it's it's like i would say I would, it's on par with comey in terms of just like you know the lush attention given to the visuals and the mm. just the just the, the talent on display like it, it's, and just, it's got another season coming too so which is kind of yeah. a bummer because like the whole this whole third season is you know, at this very specific time that we are at now, I'm going to confess. And I must also <laughs> confess that I think I missed the last episode of this one, <laughs> of this series, too, just because of time constraints. But I, I mean, like, I, I can't be surprised. I'm, there's always going to be one more complication in one way or another to fuck these shows up because, of course, if they ever actually did it, the premise would be over and the show would be over and they don't want that to happen. Mm. You know, this, well, is, this is the this is the this is the thing you have to like build up a defense to <laughs> to enjoy these kinds of yeah, shows. Yeah, because <laughs> they will they will string you along for for a stunningly long time oh, if yeah. they feel like it. <laughs> so. Or or and and uh, what do you think about <laughs> this, guys? You find a show where they start dating in the first episode. A show, <laughs> yeah. a show like uh, Love After World Domination. Which yeah. uh, me and Jeff have watched this season, and I think we have. Uh, I would, this is the one I was the most tempted of to watch, honestly, because I, I heard good things from Karma Burn too. So, so it's yeah. basically a Super Sentai workplace romance. So mm -hmm. you have um, uh, Fudo, who is Red Gelato, part of the uh, Gelato Five uh, Super Sentai team. They're like a uh, like. I'm not sure how to describe. I've I mean, it's just it's, it's the Power Rangers. If you yeah, if you yeah, know what the Power Rangers are, that is like the Ur example. They all sort of go off on that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's dating one of the the the, the one of the baddies, uh, Reaper Princess uh, Desmi, and it's mostly about using that uh setup it's a sitcom it's mostly about using that situation to create comedy but mm. i do think it has some some sure-footedness in the way it, it um looks at the way romances immediately change every other social interaction you have like mm -hmm. it it has it's 
its jokes land because it, it has a good read on that on like the, the the fact that as soon as you start dating someone you have to make choices about how much of this you're ready to share with people in your life uh what happens if the relationship fails will your friendships change because of it all all these these things which ever which are the, the little little grist little bits of grit which get in the, the wheels wheels of any budding romance and mm-hmm. it's it takes those and it, it throws them into this absurd um, uh, workplace where every week they they go hide in the bushes while while the henchmen and the heroes battle it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's it. I think it it does a, a good job with that. And I, I like some of the little little touches where it also goes into sort of the the appreciation of the the craft of um of super sentai like uh, yeah. the, they have uh, Desimi's family were all henchmen and and he, 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 there's this moment where her dad and uh, Fudo have like the the sit down between uh, the the young uh, man who wants to date his daughter and the dad and the dad's like I need you to show real de- dedication like a henchman in the wood to his his craft and it's like if you if you can't do a proper the, the true craft of a henchman is is how he dies as spectacularly as possible, and he sort of backflips <laughs> across the room and goes ah! And Fudo is like, hmm, yes, I appreciate that. And and in, in his mind, you see him fighting a henchman and hitting him and going, him the henchman goes ah! And you go, hmm, that's boring. And then hitting another one and him doing backflips and him going, ah, yes, I appreciate that. That's a fine. There's a fine. That that was a that's a quality henchman I just battled, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. I, I, what, how how did you find it, Jeff? Um, I you were saying like I I really enjoyed the like the the straight up romance of it. There's very there's zero will they won't they. You know, it's another you know it's the it's the opposite trope of they're perfect for each other instantly and they get together and yeah. you know they become like the one punch man of couples and everybody else sort of has to react to these like perfect people and like adjust their own lives to exist in the same world as them. I like that the uh, you know like like the evil princess squad who all have their own they're sort good. of like yeah like they, they you know at first they sort of introduce it as like oh there's going to be like all of this tension and backbiting but no they just instantaneously become sort of like workplace friends and start having like sleepover parties and of course they all you know secretly go to the same high school and yeah. you know the 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 iron maiden princess is the the student council president yeah. and the, the like beast princess is an enforcer enforcer i i think uh she's kind of like uh the 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 secret best girl of this series because she's so completely like yeah i definitely have a, a type and she she fits in it because she's constantly flustered and constantly angry and then that's a good yeah. that's a, a good combination as far as i'm concerned i yeah, yeah, she's yeah. She has like you know the spirit of a twin tails and the body of a of, of a tomboy. <laughs> Just take all of your favorite tropes and match them together, and <laughs> that's how you get the cast of the show. And of course, like the the upper management of the of Gecko, the evil organization, are all like you know animal monsters, but they are also just kind of like you know. So, so somewhat nice, you know, middle managers who are all, you know, more or less friends with each other and with their employees and they try to be good bosses, but also, you know, try to 
sort of like forward the company's goals. And so you get a little bit of tension where like, you know, they want to they want to promote Decimi to be, you know, to be a monster and they want to mix her with a gorilla. And she has to have like a very sort of like moment of like, you know, do what, you know, she's, you know, she's just a people pleaser that she's just going to like go along with it until Fudo t- says like, you know, you know, I'll, I'll love you no matter what your decision is, but you should make the decision for yourself and not for anybody else around her. Cause of course, you know, her henchman family, you know, her father who retired as a, a faceless henchman is like over the moon proud of her, but he, you know, she has to like make the decision to like not become a gorilla monster. And that's like, like yeah. the emotional arc of an episode. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's just fun and it's well done. And yeah, I, I would I would recommend anybody to pick the show up. It's, yeah. it's it's great. I, I, it's yeah. not the the most amazingly animated show, but I think it has like some some nice details. Like it's got a really sincere uh, reverence for Super Sentai. I think it mm-hmm. like getting the the feel right for that that is quite difficult because uh, the costumes of, of Super Sentai is kind of it's they're not they're not great. They're they're they're, they're kind of kind of bad they're, they're the sort of things which look better on a doll than a person and that they're always looking slight slightly off and like, like they're trying to imitate a perfection which they can't and like one of the things that drew me to this show was that i think decimi's outfit looks exactly like something uh marin would wear in dress up darling she it's mm-hmm. it's like that, that that going from uh dress dress up darling to this was a, a, a very smooth uh transition like it's it's nowhere near as horny but but uh, uh, Decimi's he's wearing this, this ex- the exact sort of um, overly sh- showy underwear with skulls added. <laughs> that, yeah, like, that, yeah, like that, the classic that, battle negligee. Yeah, and and it's kind of good that they mix like this reverence for that that design and also attention to to detail. With I found the the Gelato Fives like uh, uh, intro sequence. Each of them goes like. Talks about the they have they're 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 an ice cream flavored supergroup and and so each every time they do they put on their costume they do like strawberry the the taste of justice and like yeah. how and that it's it's so bad it's good and and I, and it kind of reminded me of SSS Gridman where like mm-hmm. it's, it it was like you know it, that that show you know it, it was animated but the the state you know like the fights were all like staged and shot like it was like like a giant robot show and th- you know similarly all of the uh action scenes in this are staged and shot like it is like a a made for tv or a stage sentai act and yeah like there's ob- there's an obvious amount of like attention to detail on that stuff too as well as it just being like a very charming workplace romance show mm. yep definitely in a less charming but still somewhat entertaining workplace romance, I was watching Don't Hurt Me, My Healer. Um, this is just a, a very straight like gag show about two incompetent fantasy adventurers in a, you know, in the classic sort of like, you know, fantasy video game world where they're going out and doing quests. But it's almost entirely revolves around uh Carla, the like the dark elf healer who you know seems to have more uh, talent in like controlling the dead and hurting her frontline guy, and Alvin, the like max level newbie class who has zero like ability to actually do adventuring, just doing like long 
like Manzai routines, yelling at each other and, you know, commenting on, you know, jokes based on being in, uh, being in a, a video game RPG. And it's fine. <laughs> this is another one of those shows where I probably should not have like stuck with it. But again, like it, it kept popping up on my, you know, new episodes released and I would watch it and I would go, yeah, that was pretty funny. And then immediately forget anything, you know, this does not impact my life. You know, I've probably thought about it now since I began talking than I did ever watching it. And again, I would not recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Oh, should I go into, I I have one more sort of like a random stinker that I picked up that I'm actually birdie wing. Yeah. I, I, this one I'm actually pretty enthusiastic about because I, you know, I'm the notorious like Jojo fan who likes, uh, likes it when a show is just weird and stupid. And this show is basically, if you took like, the extreme betting angle of Kakeguri and the weird underground angle of Black Lagoon, but made it about golf. Um, you have the main girl, Eve, who is a like 14 year old golf prodigy. You know, her family was killed under mysterious circumstances and she was trained by this like underworld golf pro to play golf in such a way that you like crush the spirit of your opponent. And uh-huh. she like, you know, by happenstance meets up with Aoi Amawashi, who is like the second generation of two like ultra golf pros whose family <laughs> runs like the secret golf Zaibatsu that controls all of professional golf in the world. And, you know, they, you know, it's the first time they've ever met their match. And the whole series is about them trying to like land in the same tournament so that they could play each other and there's like a very sort of subtle you know yuri undertone to it of course because all shows like this have to have that and just like the sheer absurdity of you know the stakes of the show carry it through for me like to you know to to free her like family who had escaped the underworld and she's supporting with her like underworld golf betting she gets in too deep with the mafia who like set her up against like her master's old protege who at one point golf so hard that her like robotic arm explodes from like from golfing so much and you know <laughs> But of course, she's like, I'm not done yet. And, you know, she's golfing with one arm and she's just as powerful as she ever was. And, you know, just just totally over the top absurdity that, you know, that I, I just found like entertaining. And, you know, the dynamic is written well enough that, you know, it pulls you along. And there's also that sort of like, you know, a lot of these shows will just kind of like randomly be like big otaku fans of the the subject matter you know usually if you know if it's black lagoons like you get a lot of talking about weird period weaponry and guns and this it's all high level golf strategy from like the perspective of a caddy or and things like that you know just (laughs) there's just a just enough like weirdness sprinkled through that i i really enjoyed it i think it's worth checking out just for the silly premise and if you like things like Kakaguri and stuff like that, then you'll probably get something out of this. You know, you, you know, you have the weird cast of like, you know, golf supervillains. Like, you know, you've, there's like a snake themed woman who will like cloud your mind with her weird for hormones and shit like that. And they of course become friends towards the end. And yeah, it's classic anime stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's the kind of, I, it might be, an, I think, yeah, it is. It's an anime original. It's that, you know, 
the, the kind of stuff that you used to get a lot in the 90s of just like here's a very weird premise that we're going to run wild with and with no sort of like you know no obligation to any other you know part of the medium and yeah it's it was a lot of fun it sounds like you've gone through like the halfway between Ben's uh, battle athletes victory trauma and uh, my weird <laughs> um, journey into Skate the Infinity a, a couple of uh, seasons ago. Like just this weird show which just decides to create this extreme competition where everything <laughs> yeah. just has to go one. It's all almost spinal tapped up to 11 and for everything. And Actually, I, I saw people making Skate the Infinity comparisons to Birdie Wing. I never watched it. Maybe I will go check it out now. Join us next time where I will be talking about Skate the Infinity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, time to put that Turn A Gundam watch on hold. It's time to watch a crappy skateboarding anime. Um, okay, so Spy Family, uh, rendered uh, in text as Spy X Family, uh, is the adaptation of a atmospherically beloved uh, manga about a spy, a uh, assassin, and a psychic forming a fake family in mid-century anime fantasy mm -hmm. Berlin uh, to complete a certain mission that involves meeting a, a rogue government official who's threatening war with... Uh, the other other side of fantasy anime uh, Germany. I think, I think I th it's something like like it's like Westia and like Osterland or something like that. Yeah, the tip typical. It's it feels like it goes all the way back to like the two different sides of the uh, of uh, the war, the Hundred Years War and Berserk, where it's like Midlandia and I forget what the other one is, but they're both just like yes, generic names, even though we have the capital city be Berlin to, yeah. with a T, uh, but otherwise. Uh, yeah, so um, this is wildly popular. Uh, it's fine. I think it's it's fine. It's paced very slowly because it's very, very, very faithful to the manga. Um, I think that Anya, the little girl who is the psychic, her performance is great. I think uh, Yor's performance as the assassin housewife is also pretty great. Lloyd's fine. Uh, I mean, he's <laughs> got to anchor a lot of this. But mm. yeah, for me, it's mostly just that I'm in, I find each episode enjoyable, but the pacing is just glacial. Like, we're, we're what? We're like two weeks into the school mm. year, and the show began with wanting to get admitted to the school. And so, like, I was very excited when Andy and I were talking about how this is going to be 25 episodes. The second core is airing in October, so we have a wait ahead of us. Um, but I was very excited to have all this time, but they've just used it to, to pace it slower and to cut less of the manga, which will make fans of the manga, I'm sure, over the moon. Yeah. But for me, I was I was hoping for more for more hijinks, and I didn't want the hijinks to be anime original hijinks like them renting out a castle so that Anya can play spy to I mean... cheer her up, and then. <laughs> And then in every subsequent, and then in every subsequent uh, episode, they talk about how they need to keep a low profile. Uh, that's why I'm bothered by it, Duncan. It obviously feel like the the dialogue repeatedly contradicts their reasons for doing it, which makes it feel like anime original no, film, which I, it is. I, I mean, that so. was. I I I am gonna push back quite hard there because that was probably my favorite episode. Like I know I should. Well, it's, it's, it's the be. one. It's the one that's not paced by the manga. That's why you like it. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's that's probably true. But it's like the it set up 
up is basically uh, Lloyd and your get drunk. And so he goes, well, he just gives in to, to his daughter and then just gives her whatever he wants. And because he's a super spy, he can give her whatever he wants, which in this case is she wants to see him be a super spy. So they, they put on this pantomime of a, of a super spy mission in a, in a castle. And it's, it's, and it's, Amazingly but animated. But, but Even she's for psychic. A... She's psychic, Duncan. So she knows it's a pantomime, or she should. It she just... doesn't care, though. I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's better than the alternative, which is just to have the the manga marching to the sea and then into the sea and then to the bottom of the <laughs> sea. Uh, that's that's too hard. Every episode I've, I've enjoyed. There's been no uh, draggy episodes. I think your being drunk is the funniest. Like non filler thing they've come up with and it's hilarious that she just becomes this like drunken master who has like a time limit before she falls asleep it feels very evangelion <laughs> almost in a way with the the power cable deactivated um but overall like it was very weird for the latest episode to be like oh we never spend time together as a family uh so we need to go out on on a family vacation where of course he's given a he's given a mission to complete while he's in his like non-mission family thing to help his mission to infiltrate the school and like it's fine i think it's just the, the when this you need to stitch the episodes together i feel like i should probably be reading the manga instead as good as the production is that's because, what they like, want and that's what they want yeah i know i know that's what they want and it, it's already worked with kageki shoujo so that's one one finger out of the dam so to speak but yeah, how do you all feel about it? Is there a particular character moment or interaction you like? Have there been good episodes and bad episodes? Are you excited to wait uh, four months for the next oh, one? Possibly. God. Yeah. I, I find I, I enjoy <laughs> the the Anya episodes more than I enjoy the like Lloyd episodes. Um, the way the show is paced, they usually will sort of like hand off now, like who gets to do something there's it's very rare that the whole family is you know involved and that might be why you know you have to have an episode right towards the end of the season where it's like well we should all do something together because we've all had these sort of parallel uh stories going on um i like the dynamic of yours brother being the 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 secret police so he you know everybody has to be, you know keep their true self secret you know and you know adding him into the mix was fun because of course he has the the big sister complex and yeah major syscom and the uh and you know so that it, it introduces just more contradictions and more fun for the show and the anya the dynamic of being like you know she has to you know she's a psychic girl so you know she could pretty much cheat her way through all of the academics but she's not especially athletic she's not especially bright in other ways she's not especially great socially but she still has to be like the star pupil and ultra like popular and seeing her like struggle through that is a lot of fun and i do like that her like super talented spy and assassin parents like give her good advice which she remembers incorrectly or applies inconsistently about half yeah. the time like you're being like uh they can never do anything into you if you just if you just like laugh and say you don't care and she like does this and it like it kind of works it like horribly sets off the guy that she's supposed to become close friends with the son of the uh the rogue uh government official um but every time she makes she makes her like slitted eyes like wide deadpan grin um and you know that she's she's making herself like smile in spite of things um it's very funny and anya is the funniest person because she gets to be 
I mean, speaking of Manzai comedic reactions, just her being like the normal person who just hears the absolutely unhinged things that everybody around her is thinking as was probably the case in the real Cold War. If you were a psychic, it would probably be a rough time to be able to read people's <laughs> minds or penguins minds for that matter. Uh, so I've en- I enjoy scenes with her rather than Lloyd complaining about how hard his super spy job where he apparently is in charge of the entire intelligence program in in Berlin effectively. Uh, I don't care about his stuff. Um, Yor is funny just because she feels so inadequate as a wife uh, and makes up for it in ways. But I do think that it's it has an ensemble that's not really coming together because it does seem to have these manga-like vignettes that they haven't done a lot of work to stitch together, um, mm. except through dialogue voiceovers where they say, like, boy, I haven't seen my wife in a while. Uh, but uh, But yeah, I'll watch more. Um, I will have to be reminded that it's coming out because it's not going to mark it on my calendar. Mm-hmm. But it's it's done a great job of showing what, what the manga could be. I, as a, as an anime, I don't think it's necessary, but a lot of anime adaptations of manga aren't strictly necessary except yeah. to sell, I, sell shit. It was interesting you bring up Lloyd and him being being a bit underwhelming a lot of the time because like I thought there was potential in the the latest episode like that this idea of a, a parent like basically taking on too much like him him just taking on every job that he's offered just to get on better in work but they 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 kind of offer up that analogy and then then they go oh but actually his work is really important because he's a spy and it's a chemical weapon and so it's he has to be overworked it's okay don't worry and it's like any sort of comedy or 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 comment it wants to make about parents overworking to get their career it just immediately goes but spy and and then just just waves at waves its hands at you and goes on from there and it feels like it is very much a uh, lovely looking and with some of the finest expressions known to mankind. Yeah, lots uh, of good faces. Ooh. Yeah, good good faces is is uh, uh, one of the the signs you have become a uh, truly immersed in anime grime that that you you know a good you no know good face game when you see it and uh, it certainly is a show where where we can nod our heads and go yes yes that's a, that's good smirk that's a. Uh, a particularly amusing uh, a drunken face. These are all good things and we appreciate them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like the idea of, of Lloyd being overworked, but that just means he's tired while he does his job perfectly, yeah. is, what the, is, what the, is what the upshot is. And it makes me worry that they, that they think that Lloyd is a different kind of straight man from Anya who has to always be competent and always have the best read of the situation based on the information he has. And... I don't know about a show where there are basically two straight men who are trading it off. It, I mean, I'm sure it's worked in the past, but I do, I do just, I mean, I kind of agree with the episode. I think that the family dynamic is kind of underdeveloped besides Anya having to study more and your having anxieties about not only appearing a mother, but being a mother. Um, I think it's still cute how she calls Anya, Anya-san, <laughs> even though she's her mother. Um, and they seem to be pretty close, like when they're working together to train for that dodgeball game which is a very anime thing to say uh like there is like deference and respect and and affection there but 
but they're not really interested in exploring the interpersonal relationships of the family, except as, as a gag that makes yeah. Lloyd even more of a workaholic. So we'll see if that develops. We have 13 more episodes, mm-hmm. which is a lot more time than most shows have these days to turn to make things pop a bit more. Yep. Um, but I'm sure we're going to get hate mail for saying that Spy, yeah. spy Family is kind of... Eh. <laughs> like the fact that it, it, its conceit is that neither you nor Lloyd have parents. Uh, they're both orphans. like, And so they're having to learn what a parent is. Like, it's such a, a rare situation where you'll have a, a, cu- a couple completely divorced from any sort of parental role model in their lives. And it's kind of, it's obviously allows them to make some of the jokes, but it also kind of divorces it from any real emotional impact. So it's, it's, it's just just humour and there's not really anything behind that. And I'm, as you say, I'll probably get slaughtered for that. But there you go. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of slaughter, Duncan, uh, <laughs> how about uh, the anime you're watching about an executioner? Oh, okay, so um, my favorite show this season was a show which no wow. one else watched. And such is the way sometimes you will pick a show and you will not expect much of it and then it will surprise you. And that always tends to be the, the, the sort of stuff which suckers me because if I, I go in with low expectations and something smacks me around the head in the first episode and surprised me that's me in and this is a show which is in which is technically an isekai but doesn't really feel feel like one sort of my my prime touchstone for feel of this show is something from near 20 years ago which is scrapped princess which is one of my all-time fave um fantasy shows um which i've talked about occasionally on here but i don't think we've ever fully gone into but it's a show i love because it has a a big idea and it runs around within it having fun and this is similarly a show which has a, a primary idea and then works within that and as I say, this is an isekai, but our viewpoint is from a inhabitant rather than from a, a visitor. And that's obviously not the normal. It's not what we've come to expect. And that means it can take a somewhat meta take on what's important about this, this sort of genre. And its sort of central theme is the way people are changed by the, the world slash their environment and the way those people then change that and in particular how isekai kind of has a problem with that so just a quick uh, synopsis visitors to this world are known as lost ones in the distant past they were sort of welcomed to this society and basically there have been so many isekai visitors to this world it basically revolutionized it it's basically a modern society now and they were great heroes who performed miracles and took this civilization to the stars uh, until they basically went out of control and ruined half that civilization wiped entire continents off the map and that means this society has developed a not too friendly uh, attitude to them so that the these protagonists have all their powers are something called a pure concept which is exactly what it sounds like think of a word so like um white that sounds a fairly harmless thing to be given the power of, but white can indicate an absence, a void. It can indicate something wiped clean, an entire continent turned to salt, for instance. Um, and 
the more nebulous a power is, the more power, less limits it has. And on top of that, anytime one of these Isekai users uses their power, they lose a bit of their memory of the old world. They become less a person and more just this concept until eventually they are just a incarnation of this concept with none of the ties to the, the world or um, people which made them a, a human. And they are essentially at that point a walking natural disaster. And so an entire religious order has sprung up to stop this happening. Um, these these executioners who are protagonists, Menno is one of. And this series is about her basically dealing with a particularly troubling lost one called Akari, who has the pure concept of time. And yeah, someone who has basically complete control over time and can resurrect herself from the dead, that's not an easy person to kill. So there's all that, and then we have the fact that it is also a, a Yuri show. And I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with the, the tropes surrounding uh, Yuri romances in particular, but one of the things which is an unfortunate part of the genre is often they are things which a setting which begins in school and ends in adulthood like it's not something which mm -hmm. transgresses out of high school so those are relationships which have a time limit but what happens if part of your pairing can, can control time well she's never going to want to leave high school she's going to want to go back to high school again and again and again, have her, mm -hmm. her um, romantic relationship again and again and again and never grow up. And that's what we find out Akari's relationship to Menno is. She's, she's in love with her and she knows that there isn't a future for their relationship in this world because she's realised that eventually she is going to go mad. And so she's decided, well, I want this to end in in the perfect way and it's essentially she's decided she wants to be killed by menno she wants someone who loves her and who realizes her life had she had worth her she had meaning etc rather than just some random person who just wants her gone because she's a threat the frustrating thing is it sets up this big question then it, because it's a light novel adaptation which is only a single core it doesn't answer it and we leave this plot unresolved at the end. And mm. I think it, it it did well enough within its its arc, but the fact that it, it ends with us not knowing how their relationship's going to end or how Menno's going to take the revelation that Akari knows that she's trying to kill her. Because at this point, Menno still is not aware. She just knows she's this dumbass Genki girl who is constantly getting her into trouble i really enjoyed just the, the the high concept of of the pure concepts and this sort of overarching look at of a yuri character basically going i'm i'm not going to let this story end and just brute forcing her way into keeping the story going and yeah it's it's kind of the big ideas not enough money to execute on it it's imperfect mm. show which i will eat right up it didn't sound like at least crossed over into bait because i do think that like having a unsatisfying conclusion to a subversion can make some of the subversions feel like like queer baiting or 
yaoi bait it had um, but i mean it has some of bait. that i think but i mean it in its supporting cast it has someone i can only describe as a a bad kuroko knockoff that this slightly aggressive openly lesbian sidekick and her relationship is far less nuanced or interesting it's frustrating that she's just given such short shrift when they seem to be acknowledging some of the tropes around yuri romances while also indulging themselves in one of them which was frustrating I mean, yeah Un- unfortunately i would think almost inevitable like yeah from my yeah. experience of anime <laughs> i wouldn't say you're wrong there at all i guess the, the one other thing i'd say is it has a wonderfully old-fashioned op and ed they f- feel like they're from about 10 years ago um in in the, the style of music at they go for and it's um title cards in between where the ads would normally go they also feel like they are from 10 20 years ago that they they have accordion bend they have they have like uh, uh, it reminds that's probably why i think of scrap princess because they have these these little this little accordion jig on the title cards in between it's it's very strange um yeah i, I very much enjoyed it and i don't think anyone will ever watch it because it's not profound enough to to grip someone but it was in a very interesting exploration of two genres if you are interested in something a bit more meta there's worse ways to spend uh, uh, your time but if you're not then there's a lot better ways <laughs> well you left me with a positive smorgasbord of segue options i could say things that took place seven to ten years ago or things that uh, mash up two genres successfully or um, things that seem to be an exciting subversion, but eventually just can't help but follow uh, the typical line of tropes. Uh, we have at least my favorite from this season, Ya Boy Kong Ming, uh, or Paripi Kome. Um, this is the anime about uh, the uh, ancient Chinese strategist, Kong Ming, who is resurrected to become a EDM singer's <laughs> a manager in a mid-2000s Japan and kind of her rise um, from a relatively unknown singer at a club to someone who's performing at a really big name festival and all the ways that these stratagems and other pieces of ancient wisdom from this uh, kind, utterly subservient, uh, utterly gentlemanly uh, Chinese uh, strategist, general philosopher uh, helps her on her way. I like this a lot because I do not really like idol animes, um, mm. but to have an ancient uh, military genius running your idol's career and telling cool stories from Romance of the Three Kingdoms while he's at it was very fun. Mm. I liked the subplots about finding a rapper. Uh, I liked the subplots about kind of defeating your rival bands without just destroying them and having to put their heads up on your city gate <laughs> as Kong Ming says one time um yeah how did y'all feel about this including the ending which i won't go into to steal anybody's thunder i i very much enjoyed it it's probably my second favorite i think it's probably its strongest episodes were early on but it still finished reasonable uh although mm-hmm. I, I think both you and andy who also who enjoyed it but was not satisfied with its ending for a show which was surprisingly grounded considering it's reincarnated uh, lead it ended with just typical I will show the audience my music and they will love it and they did I think 
the reason I'm less hard on it is because I feel that was earned. They did a lot of work to get to that point. I think um, Aiko, our lovable, um, happy-go-lucky EDM star, um, had a song which fitted her personality. And I think their journey from her being having this personality and not always expressing it in her songs in public, but being able to show glimpses of it in private was good like the, the 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 starting with her playing her guitar to Kong Ming in in her room to her in front of an audience of a, a couple of thousand maybe and i think that was a a good arc for the show i think we started it by talking about how uh, in this year 2022 something positive is always a nice escape and i think Kong Ming provided a very um positive story of of a man who as he said had came from a, a a time of war and found a time of peace and helped someone grow and find their place in it yeah i mean the most delightful thing about your boy kong ming beyond anything is is kong ming's absolute delight that he lives in an era without war, that he gets to help spread something because of its beauty rather than because of its order. Uh, seeing peace as a function of beauty and pleasure and aesthetics versus seeing peace as a function of of order and control and paternalistic generosity um, and self-sacrifice, I think is is exciting. I think it makes Kong Ming instantly relatable despite being an extremely weird general from... <laughs> from 2500 years ago or not not quite that long like but yeah like like centuries and centuries ago uh, i yeah. like echo um just as a performer i think she she is plucky she's not delicate or and doesn't have like a host of personality flaws like is often the case with, with idols in idol anime i i really just like everything that leads up there like kabataijin like him him rediscovering his passion it's not a matter of changing things it's a matter of changing his head about it it's all a lot of really good elements they're subversive surprising interesting i just i never bought that aiko didn't have her voice because if you hear her play her demo stuff it is remarkably i think it's very different from what you usually hear in music anime i found it almost affecting uh, which is not which sounds like faint praise but mm -hmm. when it comes to anime mm -hmm. yeah I'd agree. I'd agree. And I, so I think that having a new character come in, um, who's a, this expert producer and being like, no, your music's not like your music's not there yet, uh, felt necessary for plot progression, but kind of disjointing. It seemed to be more a question of how do you, how do you preserve the soul of your an, of your music from acoustic recordings to a polished EDM track? And that's a different question to me. So I didn't really know what to think about that. Um, I also agree with Andy that it is a very typical resolution for these sort of uh, shows where uh, the evil manager of the bad guys turns out to be good and people are converted converted to her song just by like being put yeah. in front of a really good performance that makes them fans of her instead of fans of who they thought. I compared it to, to Zombieland Saga, um, but saying that Zombieland Saga is playing it straight while well, this is just a kind of typical resolution to to what's otherwise a very unique anime um and even just setting up the whole showdown with like stealing stealing mm. likes instead of stealing arrows uh from that one scene in the three kingdoms was i think excellent uh it just 
the last little moment was not as special as I think the rest of the show was. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you're basically right in many ways, Ben, that the ending was a bit less grounded than the rest of the, the arc we see, like where every step up to it is earned and that performance itself is treated as it's already done the work, so it gets the reward, rather than showing the work in the performance itself. And so I feel yeah. like it was being carried on what had happened before. And I'm willing to accept that to a degree, because in a bad music show like Carol and Tuesday, we don't, uh-huh. you don't get that. You get this, as you say, typical anime moment where they go and they wow the audience with their polished track which sounds like it comes ready-made off a producer's decks and yeah i think one of the little things i liked is that whoever was doing the sound design for the show had a real sense of getting across the different types of performances they did sound difference there was a difference between the performance of uh azalea mm-hmm. and azalea re- you could hear one like overproduced like new metal <laughs> kind of thing and another uh sort of more lo-fi um punk like that last performance of theirs really sounded like it was just a little band in front of a half empty room a, a room which was too big for them like if you've ever been to like a, a, a small local gig and you've and there's the the warm-up band where no one's there and no one really cares it had that sound and that, and that was a, a really specific detail for their sound person to get right and and it did and there's obviously some real love for music in the production of this no i, I agree with it completely and like i don't want to sound like I didn't like it. I mean, I think that when we were talking with Andy before, and God, I wish he could be on here. Keyframes. We don't bring on the one host who disagrees with us when we have an opinion about a about a show we loved. Uh, but if Andy was here, he I, he was very frustrated about how they were really poor, and there it was a joke of like, I'll I'll do this with no money. But then they rented a tra- uh, a trailer with a disco ball and a full sound <laughs> system to steal those likes, and like, and then yeah, came in and just completely ate this band's lunch in terms of just coming out to their event where they were going to get the thousand likes for the the music festival challenge and just put on a better song before they did. And that's what it takes. And on the one hand, I understand that is sort of the art of war thing of like, if you haven't won before you fight the battle, then you're not going to win the battle <laughs> is, is the little, not the little Sun Tzu quote, but a, a strong paraphrase of it. And I also understand that as an idol anime, that having this sort of victory um, where you just overwrite the fans' brains with your better performance, uh, that's also pretty standard uh, for idol anime. But again, Andy could speak more authoritatively. And to have both those things kind of play out in a show that's been so unconventional, um, that's had like a whole rap battle arc that was amazing and was some of the best translation I've seen in official subbing for anime, doing the rhymes and the rhythm mm. and and keeping the message clear and having great arcs for all of its characters, even even some of the littler ones. It's just at the end that it, it had a fairly conventional ending, which I can't imagine is the end of the manga. No. Otherwise, there'd be no point to this thing. So I wonder if it would be less definitive in the manga or if this is just a victory lap before we go back yeah. to weird stuff. Good question. And like some sort of contentious thing happening at the music festival that Kongming has to has to stratagem his way around. I don't know. Maybe I will keep reading it. I kind of am satisfied with what I got, though. 
And I do think that ending with the most uh, iconic of Kong Ming strategies of, of if you don't have something, borrow it from someone else is, is I think, one of the 36 stratagem sayings. And he does that by having them shoot a bunch of empty boats full of arrows so that he has a uh, 100,000 arrows to give to the, his commanding general who was trying to screw him over. And that's it's a great adaptation of that. And I think it, it follows through with the character. It's just that foregone victory is already an issue with idle anime. And so it's clever that the foregone victory is because you have one of the greatest military geniuses of all time, at least as depicted in the <laughs> Romance of Three Kingdoms. That's more debatable on a, on a historical level, but we won't get into that because also I don't want to hate mail about this. Uh, but but yeah, I, I, I like that, but like foregone conclusions are already a problem. So to have Kong Ming make it even more of a foregone conclusion was just like, ah, eh, well, yeah. well, most of this show was like incredibly unpredictable and fun. So they try and have their cake and eat it with that by having uh, Azalea's new version go on and get more likes. But obviously it was like, it was like the British election system first past the post. And uh, so <laughs> when that, when Aiko got her illegitimate uh, 100,000 likes, it, it didn't matter that Azalea went on and get 130,000. Those extra votes mean nothing so long live uh, <laughs> eco de- demo- democracy i don't know where that came from but there we go <laughs> no i mean it is it is sort of a populism and i think it does kind of let the the villainy not stick on any of the people by they're just trying yeah. to get likes on social media which as we know is a, a moral free void that anyone can <laughs> anyone can succeed in if they throw money at it but it's important that they're buying those likes with money because i think that's the thing that kind of ethically sanitizes Kong Ming's strategy because if it was just them showing up at someone's concert and then upstaging them <laughs> their own concert that would be one thing but it's because they're promising a million yen to these to 10 people who scan the QR code and hit like they're trying to buy votes so making them tricking them tricking fans the holy fans as heroines run the show would say who can never be tricked and who only exist to do uh, to just consume content and whatever yeah I don't know I would like more uh, but I, I'm satisfied with what I got. And I do think that just the character of Kong Ming and the character of Aiko and Kabataijin, the rapper, um, carried a really long ways because these are three people who really love music in a way that I think anime about music and idols doesn't always articulate. They usually love the fans mm-hmm. or they love the fame mm-hmm. or they have a calling. But just like, uh. I really love music. Aiko's like, it saved my life. Kabataijin's like, it's helped me connect to people. Um, and for Kong Ming, it's, I, it gives me a vision of world peace. It's all something really precious to them, something that sustains them. And I don't think that always shows up, at least in the idol and music anime I watch. So even if it wasn't a perfect execution, which God knows you got to get used to those when you're watching anime. Um, I think it was very different and a real sleeper hit for me this season. Yeah, imperfect, uh, but any manga adaptation which ends in a way where you know it's not its real end, but it still closes off that arc in a way that she's satisfying right. is as much as you can hope for in this medium a lot of the time. Yeah, and it's better than an advent- the adventure continues. Indeed. Uh, please buy the manga, so yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and call it there. Uh, for our next episode, two weeks from now, we will be taking a question from one of our listeners. Uh, ben or Benjamin, sorry, I only care about my own rendering of that name since it's, you know, mine, uh, wrote us a really excellent question uh, asking us 
about how there's not really the same conception of four corners entertainment or adult focused entertainment in the anime sphere and asking about the industry and cultural reasons for that. And if we can think of franchises that endlessly remake themselves for different age groups or why that isn't uh, a factor in anime, Mm. which I think is a good thing to come back to. So I'm excited for next episode. We will also most likely be talking about Ghost in the Shell standalone complex since we didn't get to it. And yeah, lots of other fun stuff while we're waiting for the next season of anime to really get going. So... And because I'm the kind of person I am, I'll probably try and shoehorn the Ghost in the Cell 2045 into this subject. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, in terms of things endlessly remade for different audiences that have aged out and are largely coming back to a franchise for nostalgia, it's not the most unrelated franchise for for this question. Yeesh. So, rate, review, subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Email us questions like this excellent, well-written one that we will read out in full as a sort of brain teaser at the beginning of the next episode. Keyframespodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, tell a friend. But not just any friend. Tell a friend that you suspect to have a secret family of assassins and spies um, to get their unique perspective on their interesting life. It's no one can ever do it quite as batshit as Andy can, but that's probably for the best. If we had three Andys, this would be a pretty, pretty whack podcast. No offense, Andy. We love you. Come back. Okay. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.